Hi, and welcome to another edition of Waterbury Health Stories with a Pulse. My name is Jeremy Rodrigo, your host, and today I'm, I'm delighted to have Raquel Robinson with me. And Raquel is a 20-year employee here at Waterbury Hospital, and uh, she works in the ICU as a patient care technician. And in November, Raquel is going to be running the New York City Marathon. And the reason that she came to um, decide that the New York City Marathon kind of came through um, living through COVID-19. So tell us, uh, tell us about that, Raquel. So I started picking up running about maybe two or three months before the pandemic started. Um, then once COVID hit and got deep into it, I realized that running became more therapeutic than it be than it was for working out. So, so what was what was the? I think I know the answer to this, but what was the reason that you needed a ther- like a therapeutic outlet? Tell me about the ICU during those dark days of um, COVID nineteen. It was th- the atmosphere of the floor. The patient dynamic was dark. I give a lot of credit to the people that I work with because as dark as it was, we were able to find like light in each other's personalities. Like mm. even though um, we saw a lot of death, um, we all had each other's back. Like if you saw somebody crying, somebody was always there to have like their hand over your shoulder and tell you that it was going to be okay, even if we didn't know if it was going to be okay. So. When you're taking care of patients in the ICU, they're the sickest of the sick in the hospital mm-hmm. generally. And then COVID happens and you're inundated with more patients than you've ever seen. Was the, I mean, was there a heightened sense of kind of despair? Oh, yes. And they all looked the same. So right now, like you think about the ICU, somebody's in there, everybody's in there for different reasons. Yeah. But during the thick of COVID, there were maybe 30 patients all there for the exact same thing. That's what was the scariest thing about it was everybody was there for the exact same reason. Felt like you were in a never ending loop. Yeah. And so when you're working in that environment and you have this never ending loop, do you feel like there's um, almost like hopeless or mm-hmm. like what is the what is the try to describe the energy to me if you it was can. like impending doom that's what mm. it felt like literally felt like it was like the end of the world in the beginning really the first wave yes and so you're taking care of patients and you're going in and out of rooms and you're down donning all of the gowns and the goggles and the masks and everything and it, so you have that extra barrier that you're mm-hmm. ha- having to deal with extra workload and then you're you're dealing with really really sick patients and many of the patients that you're dealing with I assume uh, expired yes correct? Mm-hmm. there was a day we brought four people to the morgue the and day that we brought four people to the morgue that afternoon I ran eight miles so you I would typically run like maybe three after work what made you run eight or did you just lose I just lost I was just just to clear my mind I just started, I put on my, I laced up my shoes, I went for a run, and then, I don't know, about, let's say an hour and a half later, I really looked at my watch, and I had been running for miles. But this is, this is your way of coping. Yes. It was completely, like, it became, it was my therapy. It became therapy. It was, every time I would 
take off, when I would come home and take off my shoes, I would feel like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. I was ready to tackle the next day. And so the next day you went right back into the ICU. Mm-hmm. And you and all of your coworkers, really. Yes. I mean, everyone continued to persevere through this darkness. Tell us, tell me a little bit about your patients. So we know that your patients weren't able to um, have family come in and be with them. How does that affect you as staff members and, and patients? The biggest way it affected me was how we handled codes. So explain what a code is to. So a code is when a when a patient is getting ready to expire, and our role at a code is to do CPR. So it's somebody who has gone into cardiac arrest, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> the the way that we deal with that is we try to resuscitate them with CPR. So before COVID, doors would be open. You would have all the residents, nurses, the whole floor helping out. But during the first wave of COVID, there would only be maybe four or five people in the room. Mm-hmm. So it's usually just you and one, one other person doing CPR and those codes last a long time. Yeah, it's tiring. It was very tiring. And I remember looking over my shoulder and seeing Dr. Cosgrave holding up an iPad for the patient's family so they could see. And that's when it hit me like, they're not just like these patients have family members at home who are not even here to say like their goodbyes. Yeah. So you almost became surrogate families to a lot of these patients because. Oh, yeah. Because they were there for a long time. Yeah. And they didn't have any, I mean, I was really happy when we, when we, when I learned we put, we brought iPads in, but it's not the same. No, it's not the same. It's not the same. What does that do to you when you're, when you're caring for them medically as a, as a technician, and then you have to almost be there emotionally for them as well? Because as a human, that's what you would want, right? Yes. I remember one patient that passed away and this is during like the second wave and they were allowing like the family to come in to say like their goodbyes yeah. and the patient had had expired and the it hit me that when his mom came that this is a person he wasn't just a patient this is somebody's son mm-hmm. and that's when it clicked like i that disconnect wasn't there that connect wasn't there anymore right like you see people and you see them hold their family members hands but that disconnect wasn't there they weren't during COVID, it was just like, that's just a patient in room 27. Right. Right. And you were taking good care of them. Oh, yes. But it's, it's, that's a patient. And then the next room is another patient, next room, another patient. And they're, and they all have the same problem. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're just doing your best. And you guys were overwhelmed in there. Right. Oh, extremely overwhelmed. And, and, and I think when we go back to running, if you look at, at the end of your shift, you're exhausted mentally and probably even physically on some days, but you still got your sneakers on and yes, tied them up. Oh, yes, because I still have the strength to go on. That's something about running is that even when you're really tired, you still have to get to the finish line. So as tired as I was, I still had to get my run in because it was important to me to get my therapy in. So give me an idea. So now let's get to to the New York City Marathon part. So... To go from running, right, as a, as a therapy after work, working in the ICU all day, seeing, you know, um, you know, human and, uh, death and, and then you go home and you have your therapy run. How do you go from that 
two, three, five miles a day to 26 miles in, in New York City. Uh, how do you make that leap? What was that connection like? So I, <clears throat> my first in-person race after the pandemic was I ran the Achilles um, four mile. And to see like people who are disabled, amputees run side by side by me and keep up with me was such a motivation mm -hmm. to say like, this is something I really want to keep pursuing. Once I had a crowd around me and you see people cheering, it's a whole nother ball game. Really? It's a whole nother ball game. So it provides you that. It's a whole, it's different than running in a trail. Yeah. And who, you, you mentioned Dr. Hill before, before we started taping. How did he, what, did, what was there, how did Dr. Hill inspire so you? So I see Dr. Hill a lot in the ICU. Yeah. And I told him I was running the New York City half yeah. and they have a tracker. So he, a few of my coworkers, they tracked me while I was running the New York City half. And I told him after this that after I run this 13 miles, I'm stepping it up a notch and I'm running the New York City marathon. It's like, I'm, I want to do all six major marathons before I die. Like that's my, that's my goal. Yeah. But I want to start in New York. And so what what did they say to that? Like, So I applied for the lottery because there's only a few ways you can get in. Yeah, you how can, do you get into a marathon? So you can either be a professional mm -hmm. and qualify. You can get in through a random lottery or you have to get go in through a charity, like through mm -hmm. a bib. And you get a bib through a charity. Mm -hmm. So um, I try with the lottery first because once you try your lottery, you just pay your fees and that's it. You get in. But if you don't, you can select different charities. And Dr. Hill is on the board of the American Lung Association. Mm -hmm. And he said that he could pull some strings and he can get me a bib. So when I didn't immediately, the day after the lottery, he texted me. He's like, did you get in? I said, nope. He said, "Are you? you um, I'll make some phone calls for you. And he did. He pulled some strings and he got me in. So what does it feel like when you know that now you're committed to this 26 miles? Oh, I am... I'm ready for it. You are. I'm. I'm stoked. And when is the Mar the New York City Marathon? November sixth. So it's November sixth. It's now. We're in May now. So oh, you have some time. Oh, I'm training. You are training. I'm training. <laughs> Stay ready, so you don't have to get ready. Yeah, that's great. So you're going to run the marathon. Um, your charity is the uh, um, American Lung Association, mm -hmm. right? Which is awesome. And so, how are you? How are your? How are your coworkers with this? Oh, they're, they're awesome. Like they're, they always ask me, you. like, are you running after work? Oh, how are you doing today? How, yeah. how many miles? Everybody knows that I run. Everyone knows. That's all I talk about. That's all you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your, um, your coworkers. So, you know, the ICU is a different place and we're going to get back to, yeah, we, I know we talked about the ICU a few minutes ago, but the ICU is a different place, right? We all, we said that it's the sickest of the sick in the hospital and, you know, you have the, opportunity to see patients come in there very sick and hopefully leave well yes but not everyone leaves well right we we know that that the nature of the icu is some patients that are in the icu expire how does someone in general um who works in icu whether they be a tech a nurse a physician um how do they get through um all of the I guess the heartache and the, I mean, I know that you run, but even during the day, how do you get through? Because I know that the people who work in our ICU here in Waterbury are very, very dedicated. It's the teamwork. Yeah. It's the teamwork. It's the stop and to say like, are you okay? Yeah. How are you feeling? Like 
it's that that gets you through the day. And you're... not just like it could be a resident that comes up to you after we had an unsuccessful code and they saw you doing CPR for for half an hour and it wasn't successful. They'll still like pull you to a side and say, are you okay? I think it's that that holds us together. Yeah. It's a special group up there. It's like family. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, I'm always impressed when I go up into the ICU to visit. They're just, everyone's very tight. It's a very tight knit group. Um, and you're there for the patients, right? And their mm -hmm. families. Oh, of course. You're there for the patients' families. So um, you are running, mm -hmm. and you've got a marathon coming up. And how do you, where's your family with this? Oh, my family's very supportive. Very supportive. So you have a son who's seven? I have a son. He's seven. And His name's Liam. Yeah. He's and so a, cute. <laughs> and a husband. I have a husband. His name is Jerome. They, um... They get sick of my running. Right. Now, they're not runners, too, right? No, they're... nobody in my family is. So how did you get into it? So I, in high school, my parents always had a rule. You either played a sport or played an instrument. Mm -hmm. And um, the easiest sport was track and field. Okay, so you went the easy route. I went the easy route. Perfect. And it's something that I excelled in. Yeah. So I just stuck with it. And then after high school, I didn't really, you know, I was a sprinter, so I didn't run long distance. Okay. So then I started just maybe like a little couple months before the pandemic, just running um, like after a workout. Yeah. And then once the pandemic hit, I was do working out less because the gyms were closed and running outside was like a perfect opportunity. Right. The only thing you had the only at that thing point I had. was running. Mm-hmm. And you just kept on going. Yeah, I haven't. Going. I have not worked out since. You haven't. <laughs> no. But and have you inspired others uh, to run, or are they just more, or are they just happy to li live I, vicariously through you? They live vicariously through <laughs> me. I, something about running is that you have to, especially long distance running. Yeah. I don't think you can really do it just to stay in shape. It has to be a passion because it's yeah. mental. It's it's a whole mental thing. What does it? What do you mean by that? Like. Even if I'm six miles in and I have another five to go, it's you have to get to the finish line. You have to push yourself to get there. How do you do that? I feel like you just shut your mind off and just focus on the finish line. Getting that, I want, I like that feeling of crossing the finish line, that accomplishment. Mm -hmm. I get a good high off of that, the runner's high. I feel that. You There's have, no yeah. greater feeling than I do six miles into a run people say that i've never experienced that because i can never run more than you know half a mile oh i ex when i ran the new york city half yeah i had to stop to see like Times square like i had to slow myself down to like look around take me, it in take it in like how how many times are you going to get the experience to the Times square is completely shut down and you can run through it yeah. That was like I had to slow down just to experience that. Because your mind is about running yes. and it's ignoring everything around you. Yeah, right? and when you're when I'm when I run by myself, it's just for me. Yeah. But when I'm running next to somebody, it's it becomes competitive. Even if you don't know the person. Even if I don't know you the just... person. So I usually at the beginning of a race, I pick somebody and I chase them. Oh, good. Mhm. Mm In some some places they call that stalking. Yeah. But, but don't worry, you're fine. <laughs> so I so you chase them. I chase them the whole way. The whole way. And then when they start to slow down, I'll pass out. I'll pass them, and I'll pick another runner. You'll pick somebody else mm -hmm. to stalk. 
Nice. And do they know that you're chasing them? I really think that a lot of long distance runners are probably doing the same people, thing I'm the doing. people do that? Like that's a mm-hmm. tactic. Now, do you receive coaching or training or anything like that? Or is this all on you? So I, the, the Waterbury YMCA offers a free running group for their members. So um, I joined it and they're, right now they're training for the Litchfield Hills seven mile race. Mm-hmm. That's uh, June 12th, I'm running that one too. You're gonna run that, Yes. Okay. So um, I decided, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna join so I can have some a community of runners because my husband's just sick of listening to me talk yeah. about running. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to find some people who have the same interest that I yeah. have. And I found a great community with the runners. The coach is amazing. So you're getting some coaching. Mm-hmm. You also have peer support. You yes. support each other. Yes. You're always encouraging each other. Anybody else in your running group or in your circle of friends running the New York City Marathon? No. No. So no. you're the only one. I'm the only one. So you're like the big shot in the group. I am. Because you're running the I am New the York big City. shot. That is awesome. How, it, how did you place in the half marathon? So or what is I, a good time? So I think anything. I did a the half marathon in one hour, 52 minutes. So a little under two hours. And then that's, is that good I, that's and by good. comparison? That's pretty good. So you got some speed. I got a little bit of speed. I'm yeah. a negative split runner. So I like to start slow and then work my way faster. I like to pass people out. Okay. And so you start in the pack with everybody. Mm-hmm. And then as you just, kind of, do you kind of like just pick them off one by one? Yeah, I like as the miles go, I'll just pick up the speed. And yeah. that's where I think, um, my training from running the 400 comes in. The sprinting. Yes, so the 400 meter race is the hardest race in track and field. Because it's 400 meters sprinting around this whole loop. Your body isn't made to do that. So about 250 meters in is when you'll feel your body telling you, slow down and you have to ignore and go faster. So the 400 meter, how many times around the track? Just is one. One. As fast as, as you can. As fast as you can around an entire high school track. Yes. And never slow down. Never slow down. Line. You don't slow down. And that's where, and, and you did that in high school. Mm-hmm. So that carried forward. Yeah, I, was, I went to state championships. I, I went to Nogatuck High School and I was pretty okay. good. Oh, you're from the, from the borough. I'm from the borough. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I grew up in Nogatuck. That is awesome. And who was your coach down there? Coach Roper and Coach Stouts. Ralph Roper. Yes. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. That's great. So um, you you have a a um, you have the New York City Marathon coming in November. Yep, I have the New York City Marathon coming up in November. I have the Litchfield Hills in June. Mm-hmm. I'm running a half marathon in August. Wait, 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 where's the half marathon? Oh, in New London. Oh. Yeah. So, right on the shoreline. That's gonna that's gonna be nice. Yeah, so I'm hoping between before that I'll be at least at running at least a little more than 15 miles before so, that. So the, my training. Right. So your a half marathon is 13.1 mile, mm-hmm. and then so you're gonna kind of overdo it so that you you'll be more than prepared. Yes. That is awesome. Um, any. Any words of wisdom for aspiring runners that want to kind of get into it or, or people who are kind of thinking about it or maybe they've run in the past? So my best advice is not to worry about your pace. Not to, if you need to stop and walk, walk. Yeah. Don't look at that as a failure. 
to, it's just sometimes you have to work your way up to the top. So whether you're, it's taking you 11 minutes to run a mile, that's, you, it took you 11 minutes, it doesn't matter. You finished the mile. That's how I look at it. So you finished. You finished, as long as you finish. Even if you have to crawl to that finish line, finish. You finish it. Yeah, it's a good feeling. And so the, um, and the therapeutic benefit of running is, you, as you're an example of? It's cheap, it's cheaper than a therapist. I like that. It's cheaper. It's way cheaper than a therapist. And it's it clears your mind. It completely. Helps. It completely clears my mind. And we all know that you know exercise releases endorphins and it makes you you know feel better and and all those things. And it's def running for me is so therapeutic that I am able to feel like I put a reset on the day. Really. Able to reset the day. And 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 because of that, that's how you were able to walk into that ICU. Every day prepared. Every for day. Every day I was ready. During the, the height of the pandemic. And no matter what you were facing. It didn't matter because at the end of the day, I was able to put on my shoes. I always thought I'm able to put on my shoes and run. Like right. I'm grateful for today. Grateful for today. And, I'm grateful. And those patients that are lying in those beds can't put on their shoes and run. No. I, got it. I did it for them. Did it for the patients. That's awesome. Well, um, Raquel Robinson also known as Rocky, here at Waterbury Hospital, is a patient care technician in the ICU at Waterbury Hospital. And she and her co-workers worked tirelessly through um, the all the waves of the pandemic and um, took great care of our patients and, and provided care and compassion um, to patients when their family couldn't be with them and you know gave 100 percent. i know that for certain oh 110 percent. i know it it was 110 percent of compassion teamwork empathy i i am just a small piece of a huge puzzle yeah just a small piece of this huge puzzle of people that help keep this together but every piece is is important right no matter what we're doing, whether it be patient care technician, housekeeping, nutrition, food nutrition staff, physicians, nurse, everybody, right? We all had to had to work through this pandemic. Well, Rachel, I mean Rachel, Raquel, thank you. Oh yes, you're welcome. I really appreciate yes. you coming in and talking. Thanks it's a really interesting time. story about the, and I wish you all the best. Thank you so in the much. Uh, in the marathon. I think that you're going to do great. And you're going to chase people down. I am. And pass them, hopefully. Yes. And then... I'm and hoping under four hours. That would be... Keep keep me posted on how of you course. do. I know that it's it's May now, but it, this will be in November. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm ready. Well, thank you for joining oh, me. Oh, thank you for having me. All right, everyone. Till next time. Uh, this was Stories with a Pulse from Waterbury Health.